Well, what's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. My name is TJ and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. Listen, I know that there are a lot of places that you could be on a Sunday morning, but the fact that you chose to spend part of your weekend here with us at Coastal does not come as an amiss to us. And so I just want to say welcome. I, I think that if if you're a guest here with us, I want to let you know that you have probably, I, not probably, I want you to know that you have found your home. If you've been searching for a church, you've been looking for a place that can be your community where you can grow in your faith and you can grow in your relationship with God, this is that place. And so on behalf of our staff and behalf of our church, I just want to say welcome home. Welcome home. Come on, let's give it up for all those people that are our guests. Before we dive into our service, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody over at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, let's show them some love, church. We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us here today as we are in a series that we have been calling I Am. And uh, last week we took a break from that and Trenton spoke here. Didn't Trenton do a great job last weekend? Come on, let's give it up. For Trenton, thank you for, for allowing me to have weekends off where I can go and see what's going on at our Lighthouse Point location and all that God is doing throughout the church in South Florida. But I'm excited about this series because, and one of the things that I've loved about this series is, is how much you guys have been leaning in to this study on the book of Romans. And we've been talking about all things doctrine, which is not typically a super popular subject in the church, but you guys have been leaning in. You've been going, man, pastor, I've been loving what we've been talking about. And we've been making some statements over the last couple of weeks that, that I think are very, very important to us as believers for our identity and our our worth and our value. And, and we've kind of been laying this out over the last four weeks. We, we've talked about in the first week that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how there is some really, really good news for us. But the only reason there is good news is because there's some bad news. And the bad news is that our sin has separated us from God, but God so loved all of us that he gave the most precious gift. And, and because of that, we have this good news of Jesus Christ in our life. And then in week two, we said, I'm done with excuses. And we started getting rid of some of the reasons we're not moving forward in our life. And then in week three, we, we talked about, I am living by faith and I'm not gonna live by sight, but I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna do whatever God has called me to do do. And then two weeks ago, we talked about, I am dead to sin. And we talked about sin in church. I know it's a taboo subject. We can't say anything sin anymore, but we're going to call sin, sin here. Like, and we're going to call truth, truth here. And, and, and we're called to die to some things in life because we're now alive in Christ. And Christ is calling us to something bitter, bigger and better and more dominant in our lives. And now that we're saved and we belong to God, we get introduced into one of the most powerful concepts in all of Scripture. And it actually comes out of a, a chapter in the Bible called Romans chapter 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible and, and what it is talking about is it's talking about how do we actually live 
a victorious life. And, and I really wanted to be able to preach this all in one weekend, but I realized that this is like a two weekend message. And so you're gonna have to come back next weekend for the second half of it, but I'm gonna set the stage with it this weekend. If you wanna grab your worship guide or your Bible, we're gonna be in Romans chapter eight. If you don't have either one of those, you can pay attention to the screens. All the scripture will be up on the screens. Romans chapter eight, starting in verse one, it says, therefore, now, now, why does it say therefore? It's because therefore, because we're dead to sin, because we've been forgiven, because we've been justified, because we've been sanctified, because we've been redeemed. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned in this life. Why? Because we're no longer living in our sin. We're actually dead to sin. So we don't have condemnation holding over us and round, hanging around us any longer. It is dead because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of death. Notice there are two different laws there. There's the law of the Spirit and there is the law of sin and death. So there's an old law and it was our sin and death law that was causing us to be separated from God. But all of a sudden there is a new law that is available to us. I like it when we get some new laws for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us. It's saying the law has been fully met at this place who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jumping down to verse 14, it says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. And today I wanna teach us the secret to living a victorious life. Anybody wanna walk in some victory in their life today? Anybody wanna be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath? Anybody want everything that they put their hands to to prosper? Anybody wanna see some victory take place over that addiction in your life? Anybody wanna see some victory over that, that problem that's going on in your marriage? Anybody wanna see some victory in their, in their financial world? Anybody wanna see some victory when it comes to, to the demons that we've been fighting in life? I believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak to us today. And today's statement is simply this. I am, if I'm going to live a victorious life, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And I'm going to teach us today, I believe, how to be led by the Spirit of God and how it can direct every single one of your decisions in life. And and I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about the first time that Shayla and I went to Africa together. We, we went on a missions trip to go to some of our care points in Tubalicia, Africa. And as we were sending the team back to the States, we had decided beforehand that we were gonna go to Cape Town and have a little bit of a holiday. They were gonna go on vacation. And so we booked our flights from Johannesburg to Cape Town. We, we arrived in at about 10 p.m. at night, and Shayla had rented us a car. and and we went to go get into the car and, and I went to the driver's side only to realize that the driver's side is not on the driver's side. 
It's on the passenger side. And, and, and so Shayla and I got up and we, we walked away and we, we got on the other side. And, and Shayla had booked a, a stick shift. I don't know if you've ever driven a stick shift on, on the wrong side of the, of the car, but it's like everything is opposite. So, so you know how hard it is to shift with this hand. Think about shifting with this hand, you know, and, and the pedals are opposite as well. And so everything is, is opposite. It's at, it's at night, so we can't see. And, and Shayla's phone is not connecting to the interweb, so we cannot get directions to the Airbnb that we have booked. And so she's like, hey, we'll just drive and find it. I'm like, babe, this is not a good idea. She's like, we'll be fine. Hey, and, and just FYI, my wife is not here today, so we know how this works. What happens in here stays in here because this is Vegas. She is not to get text messages bashing her booking skills in third world countries, okay? Uh, and, and so we get in the car and, and I start driving. And, and Shayla is a little bit of a control freak when it comes to driving. So she's, she's like, don't, don't get too close. Don't get too far. Go faster, go slower. I'm like, babe, do you want to drive? Come on, husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Like they always, they always want to control. I'm like, I have no problem sitting in the, America's driver's side while you sit on this side and you direct the way. Like, I will sit there and be quiet. Like, you can find the way. And she's like, no, 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 you, you're doing a great job. She tries to be encouraging when she realizes she's being controlling. You know, she thinks that that's the opposite. And so we're driving along and, and I'm getting more and more lost. Anybody ever been there? And, and when I get lost, I don't, become, I don't become the nicest guy in the world. When I'm lost, it is the one time that you will find me really get, start to begin to get angry. And, and, and the loster, the more lost that we are becoming, the more frustrated I am becoming. And, and, and as we're going along, all I'm thinking to myself is, is, man, you know what would be nice is if we were connected to something that could give us some direction. It would be so nice if, if your phone right in this second would connect to the interweb that's over here in Africa so we could actually know how to get to our destination. We know we have one. We booked it. We just can't figure out how to get there. And here's what I know about so many of us. So many of us, we want to get to the destination. We're just not connected. Right. We're just not connected to the source that can actually guide and direct and, and give us the right turn and the left turn and give us the way to get there. And, and, and God doesn't want us actually going through life in this journey frustrated and annoyed and angry. No, no, no. He actually wants to lead us by his spirit into something so much better than we could ever experience in life. In fact, it is a better way to live. Like imagine in your life, you had the Holy Spirit who was a guide who could, who could direct you students into, into what college you're supposed to go to. You wouldn't just have to play the guessing game of like what school would be best for me, but you would actually have a God that could take you there. What if, what if you actually had a guide in your life, husbands, that could help you understand what's wrong with your wife right now that you did two hours ago that she hasn't forgiven you for yet? 
I think the women would like that. I'm not sure the guys were loving that one. Okay. What if we had a God that, that could help us in a relational world that could direct us to the right person that we've been looking for, that could help us to resolve the conflict that's going on? What if we had a God that could direct us in our career or lead us to experience the healing that we so desire in our life or build a community around us or guide us throughout our day? And I believe that that is a life that is led by the Spirit of God. And some of you guys go, well, that, that's great, an idea. But TJ, is that actually possible? Here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. Everyone is led by something. Every single one of us is being led by something. For a lot of us, the way we are being led is by our flesh. It's whatever we desire. It's whatever we gaze upon. It's whatever we want, man. We just go with that because my flesh says, I want that. I need that. I've got to have it. And we just run to it. For others of us, we're not being led by our flesh. We're actually led, being led by other people. We're just kind of following the crowd wherever they're going and we're wondering why we're getting stuck in situations that we never meant to be in because we're not being led by our flesh. We're actually being led by others and they're going astray. But there is a way that we can be led that is actually by the Spirit of God that can lead us into everything that God has for our life, that we don't have to give into the temptation, that we don't have to follow the crowds in life, but we can actually follow what God has for our lives. And Paul actually gives this new identity to those of us that are in Christ in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, we're no longer like everybody else. We are now children of God. Like this is a game changer for you and I. The mark on your life as a Christian should be the fact that you're being led by the Spirit of God. So when people look at your life and go, man, why is your marriage so good? Man, why is it that your kids aren't going wayward like my kids are? Why is it that everything you seem to do has, has God's hand upon it? It's because you're being led not by the flesh and not by other people, but you're being led by the Spirit of God. It isn't actually me. I just listen and I obey God. And here's what he does. He leads me to victory. And today what I want to do is I want to help us to learn how to live a Spirit-filled life. And, and so first I want to tell you what the Spirit does, because I want to give you the what, and then I'm going to give you the how do you actually do this. So, so what and where does the Holy Spirit lead us to? This is a good question for us. The, the first one is, is the, the Holy Spirit, here's what he does. He leads us towards Christ. He leads us towards Christ. We are all dead in lost in our sin, and the only way we get out is if the Spirit of God actually draws us out. Romans chapter eight, verse three, it says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. Like we didn't do it on our own. Here's what we need to understand. God did it. There's nothing you can do to get yourself out of the flesh. It's something that God already did for you by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so condemn sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us 
who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is a Spirit work that God does that draws us, that draws man, that draws woman, that draws student to Christ. Like we couldn't do it on our own. We actually needed a helper. And that's why when you sit in service and, and you hear an altar call at the end and all of a sudden your, your heart starts pounding and you're, 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 you know that something's going on inside of here and, and, you, and we offer that moment where you can surrender your will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why many people every weekend raise their hand and go, man, I, I need that. Why? Because God is drawing people by his spirit to his son. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He says, I don't want the world to define God for me. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal God to me. And here's what we want, church. We want, we want a place where God can reveal himself to us through his Holy Spirit. And the more that the Spirit leads you, the more that he will draw you closer and closer to Christ. So, so he draws us towards God. The Spirit also, here's what he does. He leads us to peace. He won't just lead you to per peace internally. He'll also begin to lead you to peace externally where you're not facing all the drama in the world that everybody else is. We need to learn to live this way. Verse five, those that live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit does. Again, only two options. And when you are conflicted in life, it's either because you're being led by the flesh or you're being led by the spirit. It says the mind governs governed by the spirit, governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And we live in a day and an age where all you have to do is walk around and everybody is stressed out. Like everybody is freaking out over every little thing in this world. And when you have the Holy Spirit leading you in your life, what you get is you get a life that is full of peace. The world is burning around you, but you're walking around with peace within you. And so many people ask me all the time, Pastor Jesus, well, well how, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Here's, here's my go-to answer. Wherever there is peace, that's where God is leading because where God is, there is always peace. Here's another one. The Spirit leads us to holiness. You get saved, you give your life to Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit who who leads us to getting our life cleaned up. So many people think, well, I've got to get my life cleaned up before I can come to God. And God's like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You come to me and I'll begin to change you from the inside out. Because if you try to change your life from the outside in, you'll never get clean enough to come. And some of y'all know that because you've been trying to get clean all of your life and you just can't get clean enough and you feel like you're an inadequate and that you're not enough and God's like, you're not. But here's what I did is I gave my son who was enough. So just come as you are and you'll experience everything that I have. And here's what'll happen is as you come and experience me, it'll start to create and make you holy because the spirit will begin to clean you up. Verse 12, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. And here's what you'll do. You will live. 
So here's what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. It's gonna begin to point things out as you come to God that are in your life that should no longer be a part of your life. You don't have to get those sorted out before you come to God. God will help you work those out after you come to him. Another great quote by A.W. Tozer that I think is so good. He says, religion can only reform a person's life, but it can never transform him. Only the Holy Spirit can transform you. A lot of us, we're trying to transform our life, but that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And when you invite him to rule your life, all of a sudden he begins to change everything in it. Here's the next one. The Spirit leads us to understanding our new identity. We talked a lot about this two weeks ago, that, that we have a new identity and a new name. Despite, despite the fact that so many times our behavior hasn't changed, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and, and to lead us and to guide us to understand that new identity. Verse 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit so received brought you about your adoption to sonship. So you were disconnected from God, but now you're grafted in. You are a son. And let me tell you something. Some of you are like, well, I don't want to be adopted. I want to be a real child. I, I was a foster parent. Listen, I love my son more than anything in this world. I don't care what you say. When I, when I took him in, he became mine. And when God takes you in, you become his. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are the children, then we are heirs, the heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And when the Spirit's involved in your life, here's what he does. He begins to shift your identity into a new creation. You're no longer just an outsider. You're now an insider. You're no longer just a child. Now you're the son or the daughter of the king. How about this one? The spirit leads us to strength. Because how many of you know that there are so many moments of weakness in life? I have them. You have them. We all have them. And if you're not careful, this life will take a major toll on our lives. So what do we do when we're weak? Verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. Like when I'm weak in my life, man, I go to God and I'm like, God, I need your strength right here. When I'm weak is when God's strength is actually the greatest in my life. It's in those moments that I realize that when I'm weak, he's working on my behalf for me and against my enemies so that he can lead me to victory. But ultimately the Spirit leads us to our ultimate purpose. Like there is God's perfect will for your life. And how do you actually get there? You have to be led by his spirit. Verse 27, it says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Like there is a will of God for your life. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And listen, this might not be your purpose. It might not be what you want, but God has a perfect purpose and a perfect will for your life. And so, so I'm gonna ask them to put these things right here. You just take a look at these things. This is a lot of leading right here. Like, and if God can lead us to all of this in our lives, why would we not want that for ourselves? Why would we allow ourselves to be led by anything else 
in this world. So we talked about the, the what question. Now, now we need to answer the, the how question. And, and I'll wrap it up really quickly because I know you want to walk in this power. So let me show you, how do you actually be led by the spirit? Number one is this, is you have to release control. You've got to begin to release control. And listen, nobody likes hearing this, especially Shayla, <laughs> who's not here, which is why I can say it out loud. But let's be real. This is easy to say and hard to do because so many of us are control freaks. Anyone willing to admit that they're a control freak? Anybody married to a control freak? Okay, yeah. Men that just raise their hands. They are not very intelligent. <laughs> Single guys up here, they're, they're, I'm not sure who they're talking about, so. And I think the reason we love control is because we think our way is always the best way. We think our way is always the better way. We think our way is always the right way. Come on, somebody. Like my way is definitely better than your way. Why? Because I'm a control freak too. And control is so hard to release. But it's so critical if we actually want to be led by the Spirit of God. Paul writes to another group of Christians in, the, in, in Galatia, and this is what he writes in Galatians chapter 5. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want in life. What's he saying? He's saying there are these two opposing sides again that Paul has been talked about. He said, are you going to be led by the flesh or are you going to be led by the spirit? And here's the deal. Our ways, our flesh are literally contradictory to God's ways. Like his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so what that means is that you and I, we've got to make a daily conscious decision of how we are going to be lit. And so, and so every morning, here's what I do, is I wake up and I surrender daily the choice to let God lead. Every morning I wake up and I go sit on my couch. I grab my Bible. I pull up my blanket so the preacher doesn't get slobber on me. And uh, I have a great Dane and he slobbers a lot. And I open up my hands and I go, God, I let go of control today. I am surrendering to your will and your way. God, take the lead. Because here's what I know is when I don't start first thing with it, you know what I do is I grab the drivers. I, drive, I grab the steering wheel and I'm like, I am in complete and total control. But I'm not the, I, I'm not the pilot of this vehicle. I'm the co-pilot. And so what does that mean? It means I got to take my hands off the steering wheel and allow God to lead. And I'm going to sit there in the passenger seat and I'm going to go, you're doing great, Jesus. I have no idea where you're going, but I'm trusting you. Why? Because I am releasing control. Let's take it another step. Number two, 
You have to watch and pray. So God, I'm going to release control. I'm going to let you lead me. And I'm going to ask you to begin to guide me. And, and, and right away, when I think about watch and pray, I automatically think about the, the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was arrested. The disciples are in the garden and Jesus is like, hey, hey, can you guys, can you guys pray with me? And what do they do? They fell asleep. And this is what Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 26. He says, watch and pray so, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit of God that is inside of you is willing, but here's what's weak. It's your flesh. And this is our life. We have to watch and we have to pray. And, and I think it's interesting that, that the moment that the disciples fall asleep, the enemy is at most work right there. Why is the enemy at most work? Because when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, it gives the enemy an opportunity to come in and do what only he can do, which is steal, kill, and destroy. And the best way I can describe this is, is I have a, a sign up here that is around Parkland that many of you have never noticed before or understood what it means. And it's... Uh, it's a yield sign. In fact, I took it down from the roundabout out there because none of y'all looked at it anyways. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I know we have city commissioners and stuff in here. But uh, many of you, 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 you've seen this sign around town, but you have no idea what it means. You, you see it and you're like, oh, it has the same colors as a stop sign, but it's not. So, so when I see this sign, what it means is that I need to speed up and go through traffic as fast as I can. I need to beat the next guy. At least that's what I think it means here in Parkland based on your driving. <laughs> but the actual definition of yield is this. It means to pause and give way. To pause and to give way. So that when you get to that roundabout and you, you, you just think, well, that's, that's just a slow down sign. So you just, you just kind of, you just kind of go around the corner. No, no, no. You're actually to take your foot off the gas, put on the brake and pause for a second and look around in case there's a Mack truck coming around the corner that will kill you. But what it also means is, is that that in life we are to yield to God. We are to pause and take notice. That maybe, just maybe, when I release control in my life and I actually stop in the moment and go, God, what might you be doing here in this moment that all of a sudden, maybe, just maybe, God is going to go, man, I've got you here for a purpose. Like I've actually led you to this moment for something that can impact somebody else. We were in early morning prayer uh, like three weeks ago and, and I was sitting there. I'd already done my quiet time. I rolled in and my, my early morning prayer here on Wednesday morning, man, I'm, I spent some time worshiping. If you've never been to early morning prayer, I encourage you to do it. It's Wednesday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 7, 7.30. We have it here at Parkland and also at Lighthouse Point. And I'm sitting there and, and I'm just spending time with God. I'm, I'm praying to God and God's like, look up. And I'm like, no, I don't want really to get distracted, God. And God's like, look up, TJ. I'm a little slow. 
And so I look up and I'm, I'm looking around the world, the room, and, and I see this girl over to my right. And, and God goes, I need to say something to her. And I'm like, cool, let's go ahead and say it. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just, I'm like, God, nobody's stopping you. You can go ahead. <laughs> He's like, no, I need you to say it to her. I was like, do you, do you want to pick Josh? Do that instead? And I said, okay, God. And I, I took out my phone. I said, God, what do you want me to say? And I started writing. Come to find out it was that girl's birthday. And she was feeling lonely and worn out. What I went over and said to her on, not TJ, on behalf of God because I was being led by the Spirit because I was pausing and watching. She goes, TJ, you have no idea how much I needed that today. And I said, you're right. I didn't know that at all. But God did. Here's what I know about our lives is there is a God-given assignment in every environment for every single one of us. The, the question is, is will we watch and will we pray? Will we take the time to yield to God and say, man, I, I know I'm busy. I know I'm in a hurry. I know that this is all going on, but will we slow down long enough and release control and watch and pray? Then the third thing is this is, Number three, you got to take a risk. And this is the difficult part, honestly, church. And this is the hard part because so often we are led by our flesh. And if it doesn't make sense, if it isn't clear, if it isn't common sense, then we go, mm, God, I'm not really sure that's you. And I've just learned in my life, most of the time when it doesn't make sense, it's God. Like I have people come up to me all the time and be like, TJ, I, I feel like I'm supposed to give some money to this person. Do you think that that's God? I'm like, um, Satan is probably not leading you to give away your hard-earned money. <laughs> like my flesh is probably not leading me to take out hundreds out of my wallet and put them out in somebody else's hands. Of course I think that's God. Why don't you just take the risk and go out and do it? Like, don't just, don't just listen, actually take some risk in life. Take a step of faith. James chapter two, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by some action, is dead. So don't just sit there in life and believe. No, you actually got to step out and take some risk. And when you take a risk, it's going to be scary. Like, it's going to be overwhelming. Like, I remember this property that we had this incredible building on today. I remember six years ago when we didn't own this property and they were asking $4.3 million for it. And I remember the Spirit of God telling me, we're going to buy this for $1.2 I told our trustees, they said I was smoking crack. <laughs> I was like, but, but will you all trust me? 
Like, will you trust me that I, I actually paused and I heard from God, will you take a chance with me and let's put it in an offer? And they're like, man, you can do whatever you want because we know that that's not going to get accepted. I'm like, that's fine. We won't go off your faith. We'll go off mine. And I remember calling up a realtor going, hey, I want to put in an offer. He's like, give it to me. And I'm like, $1 million. He's like, no. I was like, listen, you have a fiduciary obligation to present the offer or I can find a new realtor. He's like, man, you're crazy. I was like, I am, but my God is sane. We put in that offer for a million dollars. He's like, you're going you're gonna to hear back quick because it's going to be a no. He called me 24 hours later. I was like, he's got, he goes, I got good news and I got bad news. I was like, give me the bad news. I like to end on a good note. Come on, anybody with me? <laughs> he's like, the bad news isn't that it, that, it, that it didn't accept your offer. I was like, is there any good news? He's like, well, the good news is, is they have four or three other offers, but they like you for some reason. And so if, you'll, if you can come up with $1.25 million, it's yours. I said, sold. And then I go, but here's the problem. I don't have any financing. So will they owner finance this for me? He's like, you are crazy. I said, some other people have said the same thing. They said smoke and crack, crazy, similar. <laughs> He's like, you're going to blow this deal up. I'm like, I've got nothing to lose at this point. I'm just trusting God. I'm a broke church planner. <laughs> He's like, okay. He calls me four hours later. He's like, I've, I've been a realtor here for 30 years. I've never seen anything like this. They said, yes. See, I think most of us are so caught up in, well, what if I look bad? It's not about you. It's about God. And last time I checked, he is faithful. The question is, is will you take a risk? Because the spirit is too powerful and our salvation is too significant, church, to play it safe. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. What kind of risk do you need to take today? Maybe your risk is, is you need to get vulnerable and go to somebody and ask for some prayer. Maybe your risk today is that you need to step out of your comfort zone and ask for some forgiveness. Maybe your risk today is, is that, that you need to invite somebody to church next week. Maybe your risk today is that you need to step out in faith and, and trust God with your finances and tithe for the first time. Some, like, what is the risk that God is asking you to take? And some of you, you're waiting on God to do something when God has already asked you to take a step. And the reason God hasn't shown up yet is because it says, draw near to God, like you take the first step and then God takes the 99. And so he's waiting for us to take the risk. Number four, I got to hurry up. Rely on God's power. Listen, you got to put yourself in environments where you have to rely on the power of God, where if God doesn't come through, there's just no way it's going to work. That is true faith. Second Corinthians says it like this, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live a life where, where like it, it, it's going to depend on me stepping out on faith, but then it's going to depend on God coming through. 
Like a life of faith lives utterly dependent on God. Failure is inevitable without his intervention. That is the goal for every single one of our lives. I'll do the best I can do and watch and see what God does. My little combined with God's much will do the miraculous. Ready for the last one? Here it is. Number five, you got to give God the glory. Because you're going to have some moments where God shows up and comes through. And the worst thing you could do in that moment is take the credit and go, look at how awesome I am. Galatians chapter five says it like this. Since we live by the spirit, let us not, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited. So I've just learned that every time people come to praise with to me, I automatically deflect it and push it to God. Because I realized that it's nothing that I've done. It's not by my power. It's not by my might, but it's by his spirit. Like I don't have the giftings. I don't have the talents. I don't have the, the hairline. I don't have it. I've just learned that every time that God leads me to success, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna deflect that success back on God. And every time I deflect that success back on God, he leads me to greater and greater glory. But every time I take that glory, I get set back. In fact, it's some of the reasons why some of you keep getting set back. Because God shows up in a magnificent way in your life and he begins to show off and you go, look at me. Look at what I did. Look at how I succeeded. But the moment we begin to take his credit, his spirit just, just exits out. See, God calls us to do things that are beyond our ability so that he gets all the glory. So when the miracle happens, when the breakthrough comes, when the marriage is restored, when the kids come back to Jesus, you don't ever take credit for those things, but you go, man, God is amazing. God is so good. And you give him all the glory and all the honor and all the adoration and all the credit that he deserves. Church, the goal for us is to be led by his spirit. Not so that we can experience all the benefits, but so that we can experience him in a greater measure because I know when we have an encounter with God in a real and authentic way, it changes us forever. And what many of us need more than anything isn't another message. It isn't another worship song. What we need is we need a touch from heaven. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's not some weird third person deity. He is a person. And where two or more gathered, there he is also. And he is here and he wants to move in your life. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I just pray right now for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in here today, God, that, that you would begin to pour your spirit out in ways like we've never experienced before. God, that we wouldn't be dependent on our gifts and our abilities and our talent, but God, we would release control right now. That we would say, not my way, God, but your will be done. God, I surrender my will. I surrender my way.
God, fill me in a new and a fresh way. Help me to experience the fullness of who you are in my life today. Maybe there's some people that are out there that that you've never experienced the Spirit of God because you've never experienced the Son of God. That God so loved you that in the middle of your mess, He sent the greatest gift that He could ever send, the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. So that none of us should be controlled by our flesh and, and consumed by our sin, but that we could be set free and we could be reunited in a relationship with God. And maybe you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer of surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life that can change everything about everyone. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray this prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hands up. Yes, I see you. Thank you. One, two. Come on, come on. Where are you at? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see you up there in the balcony. Thank you. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray to God, say, God, thank you for the incredible gift that you've given of your son, Jesus Christ. For the price that he paid on the cross of Calvary, taking all the sin and shame of this world. I got to ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present and secure my future through his death, burial, and resurrection. God, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my way to your lordship here today. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to know you and follow you all the days of my life. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.